Welcome to the Dreaming of Sleep podcast for moms of babies and toddlers. I am so excited that you are here today. In this podcast, I will be sharing tons of information on improving your child's sleep, and I will be breaking down all the sleep training myths so that you can make an informed decision about sleep training that feels good for you and your parenting style. I'm your host, Marley Klaus, a certified pediatric sleep consultant and mom of three. I am super passionate about helping both new and experienced moms ditch the mom guilt and start prioritizing themselves in all the ways, starting with better sleep. Let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Dreaming of Sleep podcast. On today's episode, I'm doing my first ever recorded consultation, and I am so excited to share this with you. As a quick recap, in last week's episode, we chatted about the top three reasons I find that babies or toddlers are not sleeping as well as they could be. If you missed that last episode, go ahead and go on back and catch up with episode number four. Today, I'm chatting with Nicole for an on-air consult with her about her 11-month-old son's sleep. This is a great example of how every baby is different, even within the same family. Nicole's first baby started sleeping great at about three months and never turned back, but her 11-month-old has been completely different from that, and you'll get to hear all about it in today's episode. Before we dive in today, I want to remind you that if you are ready to improve your baby or toddler's sleep and are looking for support with that, I offer a free sleep evaluation call where we can dig into your specific sleep situation and I can help you quickly identify what is holding you back from better sleep. If it's a good fit, I will share how my sleep cure program can help you transform their sleep in as little as seven days. A link to book that call is in my show notes. All right, let's go ahead and jump in. I am super excited for you to meet Nicole, hear her story, and learn the next steps that I recommended for her. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on. I super appreciate it. And so I would love if you could just start out by telling us a little bit about your current sleep situation, a little bit about your son, how old he is, where he sleeps, how he sleeps, all of the above. Yeah. So um, my little one, he is going to be one in 11 days, which is just crazy to me. Um, He is the worst sleeper. (laughs) And it's a good thing he's cute because he (laughs) exhausts me. Um, He has never been a good sleeper. Um, I have a two-year-old who slept through the night at three months and I was like, I got this down. So when we got pregnant again, I was like, I... I know how to like sleep train a baby. Like I've got this, we are going to sleep so good. And he is just not for it. Um, I usually put him down in his room in his own crib about seven to seven 30 every night. And then he usually wakes up between nine and 10 and then he'll wake up between midnight and one. And then probably again, about three and then four, five. And then he's up for the day at six. Okay. Yep. Got it. So it's quite exhausting. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and then what about daytime sleep? Like what does your daytime routine look like? Is he home with you? Is he with a daycare? What does that look like? Um, so he stays home with me and he, so he usually wakes up between like six and six 30 for the day. And then he goes back down for his nap at between noon and 12 30. And then he sleeps for about two hours. Okay. And then he's up until, yes, he's great at napping. 
Yeah. It's never had a hard time napping. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. At least you're able to get some time during the day. It can be really challenging whenever it's both and you're like, yeah, I have zero time to myself at night and zero time during the day. And it's just all the time. Um, <laughs> exactly. But still, we can definitely get him sleeping better at night um, and then everything will just fall into place. So, Okay, so I'm going to walk through just a couple of questions that I have outside of what we already talked about. Whenever you said that he's waking up all of these times at night, is he eating every time or is it just needing comfort? What does that look like? Uh, So I've been starting to wean off. Um, I've breastfed him. And so I've been trying to wean off feeding him as lunch. I usually only feed him at like one and then maybe five. Um, But more also for my relief rather than because I can't make it that long. So, but we are trying to wean off of that coming up on his first birthday. So. Awesome. Okay. And then does he take a pacifier currently? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's okay. (laughs) Why are you saying it like that? Because I never wanted to have a pacifier baby, but it's so much easier. And yeah, to give them a pacifier to help self-soothe and just for all types of things, not even just sleep. So yes. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, honestly. And just as a mom of three, myself, my two daughters, both are thumb suckers. And Mm -hmm. I would much rather have them had been a pacifier user versus the thumb sucker because I cannot get them to stop. So I feel like the pacifier (laughs) is a better, either, no matter what you do, they're going to find some way to self-soothe and it's either going to be for my son, he never did. He never had a pacifier attachment and he never sucked his thumb, but he has a lovey that he sucks at night still oh, at five. Yes. So, <laughs> so no matter what we do, there's always going to be something that they utilize to be able to self-soothe. And so mm-hmm. I, I love the pacifier because you can get rid of it very easily. Whereas of course with the thumb, that's much more difficult because it's right there and they just have a really hard time resisting whenever that's their source of comfort. So don't, don't feel bad about him using a passy. It's a good thing. So on that note though, is he replacing it himself or are you having to replace it for him? Um, So he is always knocking it out of the crib. Always. Okay. And so I try to put a few in there. So hopefully he can find one. And I have like the, the nighttime ones that kind of glow in the dark oh yeah um so I do have those like scattered throughout his bed in hopes that he'll find one but he is constantly knocking them out of his bed okay so I do have to go in there to yes. help put them back yes so now I understand the passy frustration because whenever they can't yes. replace it themselves or to your point whenever he knocks it out then it it becomes that sleep association where it's yelling out. And even though they can't communicate with words, it's yelling out for you to come replace it. Um, And then that just continues the cycle of, you know, it being difficult to get him to stay asleep for longer periods of time. So we will talk about the pacifier. So your daytime, I guess if you could talk me through both your daytime and bedtime routine with him, whenever he's actually going to sleep, what does that look like before he goes to bed? Um, So for nap time, we finish up with lunch. And then while I'm cleaning up, I let him run off his extra energy. Um, And then we make our way upstairs. We do diaper change. If he's not in jammies, we put him in jammies. Um, And then I feed him and then just put him down. Usually he falls asleep like as soon as he's done feeding um, to the point where I don't even um, get to put him in his crib before he falls asleep. Like he is out. Okay. 
So nap time, he goes down super easily. And then um, bedtime, we do bath every other night. And then we make our way to his room. We do diaper change, feed, um, and then he just falls asleep. Okay. Um, he can fall asleep by himself if I, after feeding, if I put pick him up and put him in his crib, he can fall asleep by himself. But he's my last little one. And so sometimes I like to snuggle him a little bit longer. Yes, totally. <laughs> just hold that. those sleeping babies because they're <laughs> not going to happen anymore. <laughs> yes, no, I totally understand that. So we'll go ahead and start with just overall sleep. So at his age, he should be sleeping about 14 hours a day in total. So in a 24 hour period. And so, and typically at his age, they will be taking two naps a day. So that may be part of the, that may be part of the night waking is that he's just not getting enough sleep during the day. And so he's more restless at night because he's overtired and too wound up. And so a lot of times what we'll see whenever babies are not getting enough sleep during the day is that they may fall asleep very quickly, like you're seeing, but then their bodies just can't settle into those longer stretches of sleep. And so he's waking up multiple times at night because he's not getting enough sleep during the day. So the one, two and a half hour nap is awesome. What he should be able to do is split that into two naps and he, he still will take longer. So my um, expectation would be that once he gets used to this new routine, which it could take a couple of weeks because you're going from one to two. So it could take a little bit for him to adjust, but once he does, he should be taking one of those naps will be a little bit shorter. So it'll probably be about an hour long. And then the other nap will be your long nap where it sticks at like two to two and a half hours. So, and it should be at this age, we would be looking for about three to four hour wake windows. So mm -hmm. you want to break the two naps out into times that work best for your family but ensuring that he's not going past that three to four hour wake window. So he's going from about six or six 30 until 12 or 1230. Is that right? Right now? Yeah. Okay. We were doing the two naps, um, but he was waking up every hour on the hour with okay. the two naps. And so I thought he was sleeping too much. So then we dropped it down to the just one nap and he's been sleeping better, but obviously not best. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. So. And the waking up um, every hour could also be that he is not, he has not yet mastered the skill of independent sleep. So he's falling asleep. Okay. Right. But he's not falling back to sleep. Okay. On his own. Mm -hmm. And so um, it could be, he's waking up at that hour because he wants to be back to sleep and he doesn't know how to get back to sleep, or maybe he lost his pacifier and he just realized <laughs> it. Um, and so you should be able to get him to a point where both of those naps are pretty good naps. Um, and again, one of them will be shorter. Like I would not be surprised by an hour nap for one of them, um, maybe an hour and a half. And then the second nap would, um, I would expect to be two to two and a half hours. We don't typically drop down to one nap until closer to about 16 months, um, mm -hmm. maybe even 18 months. And really, I recommend going based on how your baby is responding to it. So there's not really a dead set, like I'm never going to say at 18 months, no matter what, you can't have more than, uh, two, you can't have more than one nap. It's not like that. It's just more about, is his daytime sleep impacting his nighttime sleep? And if it is, then that's where we would want to make an adjustment. Um, or is he all of a sudden refusing one of those naps? And then that's another sign that it's time to make an adjustment. But for now, I would uh, definitely recommend going back to the two naps. Um, and the schedule that I provided, um, I had gone off of uh, 7 a.m. wake up, but, and he may end up 
and he may end up going more to like a a 7am wake up once he's getting better at falling back to sleep. But, Mm -hmm. um, I would try for about 1030 for his first nap and then 330 for his second nap. And most likely he will end up doing the longer nap in the morning. Um, every baby's different, but majority of babies end up doing the longer nap in the morning. And so I would expect that nap to be about 1030 to 1230, um, maybe 1030 to 12. And then the afternoon nap about 330 to 430 or 330 to five, just depending on how he ends up sleeping. And Mm -hmm. so I would start today just paying, well, I guess today you're already it's already much later there than it is here, right? Yes. Yes. So you're already probably halfway or more through your day. So tomorrow, um, tomorrow's a clean start, <laughs> Yes. So tomorrow I would start paying super close attention to his sleepy cues. And so I don't know if you already have identified what those are for him. Every baby mm-hmm. is a little bit different, but just pay close attention to how he's acting through the morning. It may end up being more like 10 o'clock for you for his first nap or 11. The 1030 is just a roundabout recommendation that I'm going to give based on a 7 a.m. waking. So if he's waking at six or 630, then obviously you'll just adjust back a little bit throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm not complaining because I get a lot of cleaning done when he is napping two times rather than just one. (laughs) Yep, for sure. And it may be an adjustment for him. Like he may be like, you know, he's used to that one nap. So the first couple of times he may be like, you know, what's happening? Why are we going to bed so early? (laughs) But I think he will adjust really quickly. At this age, they tend to pick things up super fast. So yes. uh, I wouldn't anticipate him protesting it for more than just a couple of days, if anything. Okay, so then the nighttime, once you get past that first or past that second nap, then your nighttime routine, it sounds like y'all have a really good nighttime routine in place. I always recommend having a super solid bedtime routine where we have just a, all it is is a cadence of events that are repeatable that we know Mm -hmm. that we're going to do every day. And that he tends to recognize as this is my bedtime routine and it's time for me to settle down and get ready to go to sleep. And so again, it sounds like y'all are doing a lot of the right things. The one thing that I recommend is switching up a little bit so that the feeding comes before whatever you, whatever else you do in your bedtime routine. So as an example, you said you'll do bath every other night, I believe. Mm -hmm. So after your bath, what you could do is go ahead and get him into his jammies, do his feeding right then and make sure that it's still pretty well lit whenever you're doing the feeding so that there's no association with I'm feeding and then going straight to bed. And then after you feed him, brush his teeth and then maybe sit down in a dim room, um, almost dark, but just a lot, um, a lot darker than before and read a book or sing a song, do something like that um, to add into the routine. And then from there he goes to bed. So that way we are officially breaking that up so that there's a little bit of space between the feeding and the sleeping because Mm -hmm. that will help a lot with his ability to, in the middle of the night, not associate him needing to go back to sleep with him needing to eat. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. So that should help a lot. Even just the teeth brushing, even if that's the only thing that you do before bed in between feeding and bed, that still makes a huge difference. So 
if it works better for you to do the books and everything like that before feeding, just make sure that there's something that is going to wake him up enough because what we can sometimes see happening is even though we're like, you know, he's still awake when I put him down, he may be drowsy enough to where he's barely awake. And so he's right on the edge of falling to sleep. And so when we put him down, he's still associating that comfort of nursing and sleeping as mm -hmm. one in the same. And so breaking that up should help a lot. Perfect. Questions about that part? No, I like that. I'm already planning out what books we're going to read tonight. <laughs> okay. Awesome. I know it always feels weird at that age because they don't, I mean, they, they can't obviously engage in the reading as much or anything like that, but mm -hmm. it's still a nice little part of the routine and it becomes a relaxing, um, nice and fun part for you as well. So yeah, we um, read to my daughter every night before bed and it's like my favorite thing ever. Yeah. So now that we can add this into his routine, it's just exciting. Yep. Yep. It'll be fun. Okay. So then, so that's the, the bedtime we'll get him down into his crib and is he uh, wearing a sleep sack or anything like that to bed? No, I just put him in jammies. Okay. And does he, does, I guess, what is the weather like there? It's chilly right now, but we don't have like AC here. Okay. So it's hard to keep the room cool when it comes to summer, okay. which is when we stopped using his swaddle. Got it. Okay. So I would recommend getting a sleep sack just for whenever it's pretty cool outside. That way you don't worry about in the middle of the night, especially when he's waking, it just kind of mm -hmm. eliminates that one layer of worry of, is he cold or <laughs> does he need something from me? And so I would recommend getting a sleep sack. You can use a sleep sack all the way until they get out of the crib. So, and I don't recommend moving from crib until I mean, as late as possible, almost like three, if you can. Mm -hmm. So like my two-year-old still wears her sleep sack. So it just, again, it helps because at this age, they can't keep a blanket on them. And so it can create some stress for us just wondering if they're cold or if they need something. And so that helps with just, again, eliminating that one little piece of concern that may come up for us in the middle of the night. Do and you it's have any not recommendations on a sleep sack? Yeah, there's, I can send you a link after this and I'll put a link in the show notes for the podcast, but it is actually a like off brand from Amazon that I have found that I just love it. The zippers are a lot better than like the big name brand ones that I found. Mm -hmm. And it's like a two pack that comes together, but I will send you the, the link. And it, the thing I like about it too, is it's really thin. So it's mm -hmm. not like I don't want to say the other names, but the other names tend to be like a thicker uh, material. And I like that this one's really thin because I'm in Texas. And so we get very rare, cold little bursts and uh, yeah. the rest of the time it's pretty warm. And so I like the comfort of knowing it's just basically like having a sheet or something over them. So perfect. Okay. So let's talk about the nighttime wakings. So the first thing that I would recommend with a pacifier at this age, he should be able to replace it. And so the there's a couple of different things you can do. He's about to be 12 months, so he would be okay to have one of the, I think they're called Wubba Nubs, where they have the little mm -hmm. stuffed animal at the end. 
and then they have the pacifier at the other end. So those can be a lot easier for them to find in the middle of the night because they're larger. So that's one recommendation. The other thing is literally just have like 20 of them in his crib <laughs> um, all sprinkled around. So there's really no chance that he's not going to be able to find it. And then the third option, of course, is just to get rid of it. So it's totally up to you, whichever way you decide to go. The biggest thing is, like I mentioned in the beginning, you don't want to have him in the habit really relying on you to come back in to replace it. And so he either needs to learn to replace it himself or be okay with sleeping without it. And mm -hmm. so that's, that's what, I guess what I'll say about pacifiers. And if you do decide to get rid of it at nighttime or during sleep, you still can use it during the day for comfort or for whatever else. It's just a matter of not having that association with sleep of you needing to come back and forth to replace it for him mm -hmm. as often as you currently are having to. Yeah. Okay. And so outside of the pacifier, that may be a big part of the puzzle. That might be a big part of why he's waking up and needing your help, especially if he's able to fall asleep on his own initially. That might be really like the root cause that he's missing that and needing that back. So you may find that just resolving that problem may resolve the nighttime wakings. But if not, this is uh, my other part of my recommendation. The biggest thing is, and I don't know if you're already doing this, but give him at minimum 10 minutes to resettle. So if he is waking up and just kind of fussing, I wouldn't even start the 10 minutes. If he's waking mm -hmm. up and full on crying, then I would start the 10 minute timer at that point. And then if he does not settle down at all in that 10 minutes, like if he's either escalating even higher or if he is just staying the same at um, the same level of crying, then you can go ahead and go in and try to provide some comfort. Because you're trying to wane at this point, I would recommend not feeding because of course, you know this, but whenever we feed, it just continues the cycle of the supply continuing. Mm -hmm. And so if you're trying to wean, then I would do your best not to nurse in the middle of the night, unless you want to, then of course that's completely fine, but I would try not to. And so whenever you go into comfort, if you decide that you're not going to feed, you can just kind of do some shushing noises, pat him on the back, try to get him to lay back down. And this should be just a very minimal interaction unless he truly needs something. So if you see that he has like a poopy diaper or yeah. if he, obviously if he has a fever or something like that, then we're going to respond in the way that we need to respond to take care of his needs. But if he's totally fine and has no real needs at that time, then it's going to be just a really quick interaction, shush, pat, and then tell him good night and you leave the room. And then I would give him another 10 minutes. And at okay. his age, you can even go up to 15 because middle of the night wakings are a lot easier to, to help them resolve than beginning of the night falling asleep. So middle of the night, they're already in that sleep mode. They're already wanting to sleep. They already have this really high sleep pressure. And so it 10 to 15 minutes, you will usually find that they will fall back to sleep on their own. So I guess I'll pause there and see, have you tried that before? And does that sound like something you could do if not? Um, I've tried. We've done it before and we kind of fell off the wagon with it. So we need to get back to something. But um, we've tried, I've called it my 579 rule. 
where I give him five minutes and then I go into his room for a maximum of two minutes and then I leave instead of timer for seven minutes and then I give them a maximum of two minutes in the room and then I leave for nine minutes and we just continue okay so um, okay. we did that for a while and then it just kind of fell off the wagon yeah no that's fine it's <laughs> it's easy to happen because we start questioning like is it working is it not working and then if it's not working why are we even doing it and so that makes total sense I get it but I would I would really try for the 10 minutes 10 minutes tends to be like the magic number for most babies that if they aren't already settling by the 10 minutes, they're at least calming down and on their way to settling. And so the biggest thing that we do as parents that kind of perpetuates the cycle, and I'm guilty of it as well, is we tend to go in right at the moment that they're about to cross over to calming down and getting back to sleep. And so I always recommend playing, paying super close attention to how he sounds. And if there's any de-escalation at all, we want to give him longer because it's like you're like you as an adult, you're right about to fall asleep. And then somebody walks in your door and wakes you mm -hmm. up and it's like, ah, I was almost yeah. asleep. And so just think about it that way that we want to pay super close attention to the sounds that he's making so that we know whether or not he needs that intervention. Um, and if he is making any signs of um, de-escalating or settling, then I would give him a little bit longer. Perfect. And so the only time that I recommend restart or not restarting, but the only time that I recommend setting another timer, if he has started to calm is if he really starts to escalate again. And it's not just for um, like 20 or 30 seconds before calming back down again, because a lot mm -hmm. of times what you'll see is um, once they start to get to a point of self-soothing and settling themselves, you'll hear it start to get intermittent where it's like, 30 seconds of crying and then they'll be quiet for 20 seconds and then 30 more seconds of crying and then quiet again. And um, that can be really confusing for parents because it's like, well, he's like level 10 crying for that 30 seconds, but then he's quiet. And so anytime that there's that fluctuation as well, we want to count that as calming because he is, he's working towards mm -hmm. getting himself back to sleep. So Perfect. I like that because yeah, so I know I what you're saying. That's the biggest thing is just paying attention to what they're telling us, because mm -hmm. as we've talked about, of course, they can't use their words and tell us what they need, <laughs> but it's paying yeah. attention to those cries and really um, listening in to see what they need from us, tuning into them and helping them work through it without us putting roadblocks in their way by coming in and out often, mm -hmm. because it just confuses them. When they see us, it gets them all worked up again because it's like, well, you're here. Why are you not just holding me and putting me back to sleep? <laughs> and so it tends to make it worse than it does better. So that's why I recommend at least 10 to 15 minutes. And then usually they're going to either be on their way to settling down or already settled down by the time that that timer um, goes up. So perfect. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So that is the primary thing that I would recommend in the middle of the night. I don't think you're going to have to try anything else. I really think that the 10 to 15 minutes is going to resolve the night wakings pretty quickly. And so with the 
With the weaning, like I said, I would recommend trying not to feed in the middle of the night, especially because you were trying to wean. If you weren't trying to wean, obviously go for it. And then I think you'll see pretty quickly uh, that it will resolve itself and your supply will adjust. And if you decide to, to continue nursing during the day, then your body will adjust really quickly to not having those night wakings if we just mm-hmm. give it a chance to be able to do that. So yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So what questions do you have for me? Um, I think the big mm-hmm. thing would be if I do have to go into his room and we do, we are planning to take his, his pacifier away. I call them binkies. I don't know where, but I call them binkies. I've heard um, that before. We do take his binkies <laughs> away. We're planning to do that right after his second birthday. I was like, give him till he's two, let him enjoy his birthday and not be sad without it. Yeah. So, or two, I mean one. I don't know. Oh, okay. Until his first birthday. And then we're going to take it away. What, if he doesn't have that to self-soothe, what do you recommend we do if we do have to go in there after the 10 minutes? So if he doesn't have that, then it would just be your shushing and patting and that's about it telling him he's okay good night and then Mm -hmm. it's really going to be allowing him allowing him to figure that out so what is it that he needs to self-soothe it may be some babies end up playing with their hair some babies end up like playing with something on their pajamas or something like that so he'll figure out what works for him it may end up being sucking on a hand or something like that, but it's more about giving him the chance to figure that out than it is you figuring out what you can do to soothe him. So you're okay. going to provide the providing the basic needs like changing the diaper and giving him the comfort of patting and reassuring him that you're there. And then he will be able to figure out what is going to help him soothe to be able to fall asleep. Okay. So, okay. so the pacifier probably right now works like magic. You pop it in his mouth and he probably starts sucking it and falls right back to sleep, but mm-hmm. he will get to a point where he's able to get it back in himself. And I would not feel a ton of pressure to get rid of it at 12 months. If you want to, of course, go for it. But the recommendation from Dennis is no later than three. So okay. technically from a developmental perspective, he could keep it up until three So whenever you were first saying second birthday, I was like, oh, that's great because (laughs) two is a great time. But I do understand if it's just, if it's something you just don't want him to have right now, then you can absolutely get rid of it. But from a developmental perspective, he could keep it all the way up until about three. Perfect. Yeah. It's one of those where we're like, what fight do we want to have? And when do we want to have it? Yeah. So we were like, we're not going to let him have it until like, up until six months and then he's done. And then when six months came, I was like, well, I don't know how to wean him from it. So we're just going to keep it for a little bit longer. Yes. And just so you know, the best way that I have found to wean whenever you are ready is cold turkey. Like just it's gone and we don't see it again because any sort of like slow weaning where we like give them it for a certain part of the day, but not another part of the day, or I've seen people where they've like cut off the end of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, the cold turkey route is always going to be the easiest and it's going to be the fastest as well. They will adjust super quickly. Babies and kids are so adaptable. He will probably be looking for it and be upset for a day or two and then not even care or notice that it's gone after that. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I think we we tend to think that things bother them a lot more than they really do and think that things are going to be a bigger deal than they really are. And so it's always helpful to remind ourselves that they are so adaptable and they're going to adjust really quickly. And the only other thing that I'll say with the middle of the night crying is for me, it's always helpful to remember that there's a difference between crying out of a true need, like crying because he has a dirty diaper or crying because he's hungry or crying because he's sick and crying out of protest. So the crying out of protest is most likely what you're going to be hearing in the middle of the night because he's protesting the fact that you're not coming in to put him back to sleep. And so he's crying because he's frustrated because he wants to be back to sleep and he doesn't know how to get himself back to sleep. And so it's all about just giving them a chance to work through that and figure out how to be able to go back to sleep. And so it's always helpful for me to remember it's not, you're not leaving him to cry and he needs something and he's not having that need met you're leaving him to protest this change that's happening and he will be able to work through it and figure it out. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And he'll be able to figure it out a lot more quickly than if we're in and out constantly, because Mm -hmm. like I said earlier, if we even just think about it for us as adults, I mean, if my husband walks in the room after I'm like on the verge of falling to sleep, then I'm awake for like 20 more minutes. So, yes. um, (laughs) So Yeah. So it's just a a matter of giving them a chance to do it. Perfect. Yeah. So any other questions for me? Anything else I can help with? Not off the top of my head. Okay. I'll probably email you if I have something. Yes. That sounds good. Okay. Well, I would love to hear an update once you go through this whole routine tomorrow. If you start it tonight, that's great. So if you want to send me an email and give me an update, that would be awesome. And then I can share an update on a later podcast episode too. I would love to hear how things are going. And yeah, of course, if you have any questions, feel free to email me and I'm happy to help. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much again to Nicole for being willing to share her story on the podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. I hope you were able to relate to Nicole's story in some way, and hopefully you even had a couple of aha moments today. I would love to hear from you, so please feel free to shoot me a message on Instagram and tell me what you learned from today's episode. Lastly, you are likely listening to this podcast because you know getting your child and you enough sleep is vital. Not only does it make for a happier baby, but it also helps you as a parent to be more productive in your job or supporting your family at home. It allows you to be more present in your relationships and in your family, and it helps your children grow developmentally. But the truth is sleep training can be overwhelming, confusing, and even frustrating for many parents. With so much information available on the internet and conflicting advice from friends and family, it's no wonder that so many parents feel lost and unsure of where to turn. Working with a sleep consultant can be a lifesaver for parents who are struggling to get their baby to sleep. With my customized approach, expert guidance, and the support that you need to stay the course, you'll be well on your way to better sleep for both you and your child in as little as seven days. There's no need to wait until your baby is done teething or until you get back from that next vacation you have planned or anything else. You can invest in you and your child's sleep today and be able to experience the benefits that better sleep will have on your family's life quickly. Check the show notes for more information on how to get started. All right, that's it for today. Thank you again for listening and I will chat with you again next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. And I would love if you could share it with someone who you think it may help. 
I would also be super excited to hear from you. So feel free to DM me on Instagram at your world and color, or send me an email at Marley at your world and If you are ready to get support with improving your baby or toddler's sleep in as little as seven to 14 days in a way that feels aligned with your parenting style, visit my website at yourworldandcolor.site to learn more.